are you sweet succulent mother truckers doing over here on this old sweet podcast we got going on? It is the 66th episode. It is is actually January. If you guys didn't know, January 6th is coming up. It should be a daunting reminder to Americans that, well, Biden is in office. And I hope you guys are excited about it because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of big things happening at the White House, especially on the front lawns. Them doing, I, I, I'm sure there's going to be ceremonies and everything going on talking about, I, I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be the case, but that's coming up here in a couple of days. I'm sure a lot of people have not even thought about it until I brought it up. Unfortunately, I get to look at this stuff every day, so that's it's pretty much the number one topic. But at least you're 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 doing one thing right in your life. You're not living in China. If you're not doing something else, you need to go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go do it. But if not, at least you're not living in China. Because apparently, over in this province, it's called the Yuzhu Henan province. They have 1.2 million residents. All right. They'll all be confined to their homes just after having two asymptomatic cases that were reported on Sunday. They had a third one that was a local one, apparently, that was asymptomatic infection that was identified on Monday. After those three total people, they're locking down 1.2 million people to confine to their homes. I don't know, I don't know how they're going to do this, but just imagine in America, if three people got sick, they could find 1.2 million. How many people, by the way, how many people live in the, the city of Dallas? Wow, 1.343 million. Legitimately, Dallas, Texas, if three people got sick, they would lock down the entire city. I have no idea how they're going to manage that. But that's that's the case. They're barred from essential services such as supermarkets, all public facilities, including schools, public transport, and shopping malls have all suspended operations because of three people getting sick. I have, I, I, what kind of world are they living in in China? But I, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. Those who work in essential, essential industries, including supermarkets, medicine production, energy plants, are allowed to go to work after presenting a nev- negative COVID test. So you're going to have 1.2 million COVID tests going out a day. So Zian, I don't know, XI, it's actually XI apostrophe, A-N apostrophe, S. I have no idea how you're supposed to say that in English. I don't know. 13 million res- residents have been confined to their homes since December 23rd. 13 million people. And many are growing desperate as they run out of essential supplies, including groceries, and are falling short on medical attentions. Authorities in that same area are on the zero COVID policy, apparently, have launched a fifth round of mass testing on Tuesday, vowing to eliminate the outbreak. Mass testing on 13 million people to eliminate the outbreak on something that is extremely contagious, which we talked about it in, well, actually, it was supposed to go up yesterday, but it went up this morning in, in this morning's episode, I guess you would say, that they're finding out now that the cloth, the cloth ones that are made on Etsy, you know, those masks that everybody's been so fashionably wearing the last two years, those ones actually do not stop Omicron at all. They only stop large droplets, not these small ones. So literally, you got to wear an N95 mask. I, I, that came out. I, when I was reading that yesterday, I was like, what have we been doing the last two years? And the other thing is, if you're so worried about, that's what I also think kind of crazy. If you order your mask on Etsy, you're literally letting a person, if you're so scared and you, you think you have to wear a mask, like you're terrified that you have to wear one, but you want it to be fashionable, like that's your big thing. Why are you going to trust somebody to make you a mask in their their apartment or their garage? Like, if you're really, if, you know what I mean. Like, it's coming from Etsy. They're literally just hot gluing glue or uh, shiny beads onto a mask. I, I I don't know. It's really weird. Anyway, local outbreaks continue to flare up. The outcry in uh, that same province, which I can't say apparently, raises the question of just how long zero COVID can be sustained before public. Support begins to taper off. I have no idea how long it's going to last in China. But with millions of residents trapped in a seemingly endless cycle of lockdowns. If you guys didn't know, the BTS, the BTS members, RM and Jin, have fully recovered from COVID-19 as well. 
no idea who the hell they are, but I'm telling you, the boy bands over there, they're absolutely crushing it, so good good on them. His hair is an awkward-looking uh, pinkish purple. He's a K-pop guy. No idea who that is. Oh, the world we live in now. Imagine being back in the 30s and 40s. They were worried about Hitler and Nazis and being burned alive, I guess, and, and now we're... Uh, I, I tell, I, I say this, I've said this multiple times with my girlfriend, I think I have Charles, I always say the same thing. I wish I was born in, I should have been born in 1925. I feel like I was meant to be born in 1925. I wouldn't have the luxuries I have today. I do enjoy my heated seats. I wish my steering wheel was heated at times. You know, that thing gets kind of, it gets kind of rough on the hands, you know, when it's cold outside, you're like, oh, I don't want to touch that steering wheel. It's too cold. So I kind of like put my hands like this. I'm like, oh, I got to drive. That, that's, that's the kind of world I live in now. But with that being said, you know, we got to trust the numbers. They always say that's, a, that's, that's what I always say. I guess I, I love numbers. I enjoy numbers. I think they're the greatest thing ever. And they always say, follow the signs, trust the numbers. And then what they've been saying the last couple of years, right, Charles? Yeah, give me a little head nod. All right. Thank you so much. I know, I know they can't hear you, but I just wanted to hear you myself. New York City averaged 36,856. We're just going to say 37,000 reported cases per day as of Monday, which is a 517% increase from the average of two weeks ago. I'm saying this for a reason. We're going to keep going. That's New York, 517% increase. What do they have? Huge mass mandates and lockdowns. All right, keep going. The city government would require proof of vaccination as well for indoor dining, fitness, entertainment for children as young as five years old. I have a six-year-old. I I literally have a six-year-old. I mean, proof of vaccination for indoor dining, I don't know. Anyway, that's beginning of December 27th. New Yorkers age 12 and older were required to show proof of two vaccine doses. Oh, New York State, which has actually peaked at a uh, 251,000 daily cases last January, has been seeing an average case count of about 400,000 cases in 2022. I, I, I mean, it's, we, we've been in 2022 for two days, for two days, but I guess I guess we can we can roll with that number. Anyway, Washington, D.C. has reinstated an indoor mask mandate as of December 21st. If you guys did not know this. The nation's capital is actually averaging 21 cases per day, which is a 485% increase over the past two weeks and the highest one peak or excuse me, one week spike of the entire pandemic. And this comes with the fact that they've entirely forced people to wear masks indoors. So I'm only asking, I mean, is, is, is the mask now, is it like a placebo effect when it comes to this new variant and whatever's going on? I'm just, I'm asking, I'm just, Hey, I know you're watching this over YouTube. I'm not spreading disinformation. I'm asking a, a sincere question. This is two cities that have very strict mass mandate policies, and yet they have four to five hundred percent increases. And effective January fifteenth, districts residents twelve and older must provide at least proof of one dose of vaccine at restaurants, bars, nightclubs, indoor facilities, uh, entertainment facilities, gyms, in indoor meeting establishments. When in the world is a 12, 12 year old going to be at a bar or a nightclub? But. Anyway, by fe- by February fifteenth, they have to have proof of of both doses. Oh, all right, here we go. I know we're just gonna keep going. Just calm, calm yourself. You guys are listening to your earbuds, or you're driving to work, or whatnot. I, I don't really know. Um, are you watching at home while you're taking a dump? The average daily number of COVID nineteen cases in Illinois. Statewide mass mandate has been in effect, and it surpassed sixteen thousand for the first time in the last week. Chicago is boasting the highest infection rate. Anyway, starting Monday, anyone in Chicago age five and older is required to show proof of full vaccination at any public place that serves food and drinks, including bars, restaurants, sports, stadiums, entertainment venues, and more. Anyone age sixteen or older will have to have an ID that matches the vaccination card. Boston, which has had mass mandates since August, I did not know that. Uh, were we there in August? I don't even remember. I don't recall. We were sitting outside, so it didn't matter. Doesn't matter. Moving on. 
They've actually seen a 245% increase in positive cases in the last two weeks. Like D.C., Boston residents are required to have two doses of the vaccine by February 15th. It's kind of nuts, right? Questions we should be asking. Anyway, keep going. Almost 18,000 per cases per day in L.A. County has seen likewise a huge spike that reflects a 644% increase from the average of two weeks ago. The L.A. County, by the way, reimposed a mask mandate in July. Yes. Awkward silence for anybody who's wondering. That was that was that was me just sitting here trying to figure out my life. Um, are they working? Have they been working this entire time? Have, like at all? Any answer, Charles? No, just going to sip your coffee. That makes sense. No, no, no one knows. And we're still sitting beginning of 2022 and you're seeing a, what, 644%, 245, 400-something percent. All these increases, uh, 485% is almost 500% in the cities that have had significant mass mandates and very strict rules. And I feel like this is the kind of stuff that people don't want to bring up because they're afraid. I, I don't know. They're afraid of what's going to happen. I'm, I'm sincerely just asking a question, which I, I don't know why anybody else isn't asking this, or maybe they don't have the voice to do it. And we just so lucky that this, this podcast is growing at a pretty good rate, by the way. I don't know if you guys know this. We, we've actually, I think at the beginning of December, we were sitting at 12,000 subs on YouTube. I know that doesn't sound like a lot in comparison to my other channel, which has got almost a couple million, but it takes a while to grow. I think we were at like 12,000 at the beginning of December. Now we're beginning of January and we're sitting at like almost 29,000. That's a pretty significant growth rate. I think personally, when it comes to this podcast, not, not including the actual, the, the listens on the downloads, I guess you would say, but I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty good rate. So I want to say thank you to everybody who listens to this thing on the daily, on the regular. I do love you. Thank you so much. Cause we put a lot of time and effort in this thing and having to sift through some of the, the absolute trash and garbage I got to listen to is, is or read, I guess. Sometimes it's just, blah, blah, blah. all right, here we go. Yeah. With that being said, we've actually set a, a new record, which is pretty exciting I know a lot of you guys are super excited about this, but we've actually um, we've hit our 1 million COVID cases on Monday in, in one single daily record. So way to go. And Biden has done a phenomenal job. The one uh, the, the thing has been touting during his campaign was shutting down the virus. He's done a phenomenal job at that. That's one thing that I will never really understand as, as, a, as a human being. I know you're, you're trying to, to garnish votes, but that is one thing. I, I, don't even, I wouldn't even put the blame on anybody for this, but there's no way that a human being can, can tout and say, you know what, I'm going to shut down the virus and actually be like, yeah, consciously, he can't. there's no way he could be like, I'm going to do that. But I guess if he has dementia, he probably could think he could do it. Probably also thinks he's Superman. So anyway, we, we crashed a number that was actually previous. Our previous record was 590,000 was uh, what, what was actually just four days ago. <laughs> so there we go. We crushed our own record four days ago. So where do you go to America? We're on to a, uh, a pretty good Pretty good, pretty good number here. And the, the previous record was actually, um, before that was actually in India during their Delta surge of 414,000. So we are, we are back to back champs here in America. Other than World War II, we've actually killed the COVID number. The CDC data has actually said that 800,993 Americans have actually died from COVID, which means that 400,633 Americans have actually died under Biden's leadership, which is more than what was under Trump's during the, the major thing. So that, that's the that's crazy part to me is there's no idea how he could actually do this, which means what I was talking about, how he's going to say shut down the virus. It's one thing that you, you probably shouldn't have promised, even though you were trying to get votes out of it. I get it. But he literally set himself up for failure because he did state this, which is what is about as false as he can get. If the president had done his job, had done his job for the beginning, all the people would still be alive. He actually falsely claimed this and all the people, I'm not making this up. Just look at the data. Look at the data. When he had said that, 
that's going to stick with him forever, just like it has at the end of this this whole piece right here. Because um, now Americans are looking back at the data and they're like, okay, well, these are literally verbatim. This is verbatim out of your mouth. All right. Well, there's another one of uh, Biden's big things of stepping on his own feet. Oh, so if you guys did not know as well, more than two thirds of the country's 40 most populous cities saw more homicides last year in 2020. We talked about this at least a couple times a month, but we are kicking off a new year. So we're going to talk about our, I guess, our record shattering year of homicides in 2020. If you guys did not know, and I actually have those cities for you, which some of them are not super shocking. For some reason, they, they felt the need to put the, the, the states after some of the cities. Philadelphia didn't need a state, but Philadelphia is one. Austin, Texas, Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis. I guess there's not another Indianapolis, but Portland, Oregon, Memphis, Tennessee. Those two really aren't super shocking. Louisville, Kentucky, Milwaukee, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Tucson, Arizona. But if you didn't know, Minneapolis actually tied its previous record of number of homicides with 97 in the years of actually 97 and 2021. So 97 and 21, 97 was the, the year prior, and they, they just so so happily just tied it. Chicago police, though, this is kind of weird. Chicago police investigated. I was wondering why they weren't on this list, but they actually dictate their homicides differently in that city, which I didn't know this till right now. They investigated 797 last year. That's the most since 1996, but more than 800 of them. 800 homicides happen within the city when including expressway shootings. Apparently, they don't include expressway shootings. I don't know if that's to keep their numbers down. I don't really exactly know why. Maybe it's a different jurisdiction. I have no idea. But homicides were up by 12% in Los Angeles, by the way, from 2020 and 4% in New York. So pretty solid cities there. Um, if I were to look up just by looking at this, how many of these are more a little bit, little bit left-leaning? You have Philadelphia, of course. Austin, which is literally turning into a new L.A., unfortunately. Columbus, Ohio, I'm not exactly sure. Portland, for sure. Memphis, for sure. Albuquerque, Milwaukee, Tucson. Pretty much every single one of these. Chicago, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly confident. I'm about 90% sure almost every single one of these on the list is, is left-leaning. So I think their policies are pretty much eating themselves within, which is kind of which kind of sucks because the people that live inside those cities, which is ironic at the same time, they vote for the politicians that, that run the cities, and yet they're the ones that are going to have to bear the blunt, the, the blunt of it. So... According to the FBI, homicides rose 30% from 19 to 20, the largest single-year increase an agency has ever recorded since tracking these in the 60s. But it goes on to say this, which is kind of strange to me. I had to reread this one multiple times and actually circled it, and I put what next to it because I didn't really understand it. But this also led me down another, another rabbit hole. But the pandemic, it goes on to state this, by the way. The pandemic, like community gun violence, concentrates among the poorest and most de- disenfranchised people. So those communities are doubly impacted, not only by COVID-19, but by gun violence. I mean, think like, what are the, what, what, I had to reread that. So those communities are doubly impacted, not only by COVID-19, but by, by gun violence. And I, when I was rereading it, I was like, so is this person saying that COVID-19 only goes after the, 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 the communities that are poorest and most disenfranchised? And I, I literally, what he's, this individual saying, which it, that, that can't be a thing. There's no way the virus is going around just be like, you know what, this is the poorest community, we're going to go after it. When in fact, we all know the vaccine was free. So, I mean, there's no way that the poorest communities couldn't have had an, an access in America. In America, maybe maybe not in the world, but in America, you had access to getting the vaccine. Like, I mean, that's kind of strange. Anyway, while experts say the reason for the rise in homicides are varied, murders are increasingly carried out with guns. Oh, okay, so we, we push an agenda here. 
Possibly. Okay. 77% of reported murders in 2020 were committed with a gun, up from 74%. So now you're seeing at the end of the article, there's an entire agenda pushed with this thing, which I, it's always, it's always got to be like that. You can see the disenfranchised in, in, in porous and in communities. They're talking about, I, I don't know, a, a, a certain type of maybe demographic. And then they talk about gun violence. And they're basically, it's going to stem back to most likely the end result is racism every time. Anyway, I did read a thing though that actually stated that 94% of all homicides that were committed with a gun were actually obtained illegally. That is a very hard stat to actually stand by because everything I found was, was all over the place. It was like 87 to 90 to 92 to 94. And the, an individual had done research and it said that 6% of crime that was committed with a, with a pistol or a, a handgun or a rifle, whatever you want to say, just a gun in general, was committed by a person that was legally carrying it. It was like 6%. So if you guys did not know, by the way, this is another stat, which, which is even crazier. And this is another reason why Beto, I have no idea what he's even running on right now. So these are actual stats, by the way. Number of murder victims in the United States by 2020, in 2020 by weapon used. All right. This is always an interesting one. I always, I've, I've read multiple times that more people are killed by hammers than by rifles. I, I, I've read that more. I don't know if that's an actual thing. So, but this does have a little bit on it. So handguns. There was 8,000 people killed by handguns in 2020. That would make a little bit more sense. You don't see a lot of people carrying around a, a long rifle, a 270 or a three or a uh, 300 Win Mag. You know, like that's not something generally that happens. Did you know that only 455 people were killed in 2020 by a rifle? Which is kind of crazy because the only thing they ever talk about is AR-15s and their high capacity magazines and assault weapons, and that, that they use the same. Which is kind of even crazy. If you actually were. This is this should be like the forefront of every single every single time that stuff's brought up. They should just turn this image around and be like, all right, so if that's the case, and there's actually more people that are actually killed by hands, fists, and feet every year than rifles. This is the rabbit hole I ended up going down. Hands, fists, and feet. Literally by your hands, fists, and feet. There's more people that are killed by that, which is means by beating to death. Six hundred and sixty-two. Over two hundred more people are killed by hands, fists, and feet than by a rifle every year. Knives or cutting instruments, 1,739. Other weapons, 983, which I don't exactly know what that means. But yes, matter of fact, clubs and hammers is almost as much as rifles in 2020. There's not that many poisoned a year. (laughs) Only 16. Anyway, all right, going to move on from here. I don't. don't, Sometimes I go down these these rabbit holes, which I know a lot of you guys, if you listen to this for a while, I, I I tend to. Whenever I go down a hole, it's like, oh, God, how deep is this going to get? Which, at the same time, it kind of leads us into our next piece. If you guys don't know, criminals, uh, suspects released on multiple felony bonds in Texas in the most populous county have actually killed 156 people since 2018. And this has been another topic that that people have been talking about here lately is, is, is people getting let out on bond or getting let out literally for nothing, essentially. Houston is the largest city in the state, and there are 113 defendants charged with capital murder that have been granted bond. The Public Safety Institution actually tracks cases for suspects that were out on multiple felony bonds, including bond forfeiture and bonds that have been released on their own personal recognizance. Recognizance. (laughs) Anyway, those kind of bonds, PR bonds, don't require cash to get out of jail, but include restrictions such as GPS monitoring and drug testing. 
One suspect was actually released while charged with a violent crime is Andrew Williams. He stands accused of killing Martha Medina, 71, on September 23rd of 2021 during a robbery outside of a McDonald's in Houston. McDonald's in Houston. This lady was killed because this gentleman tried to steal her purse or did steal her purse and then struck her with his car as he was taking off. So he then ran her over with his car. A 71-year-old lady. He was out on bond for a 2019 capital murder charge in an aggravated assault in Harris County at the time. So this gentleman gets out on bond for a capital murder charge in 2019. And then again, in 2021, two years later, he kills somebody else. What in the world? How did this person even get out? Okay, let's, let's go to the next. This is down there in Houston, by the way. December 20th, police in Houston announced that the murder suspect out of a Harris County bond had actually been arrested for another killing. Devin Jordan, 21-year-old. Allegedly followed Jeffrey Johnson and his wife home from a Galleria restaurant on June 11th and shot and killed him during a robbery. He had been on bond from Harris County charges, including capital murder in a different case. So there's another capital murder individual that was let out and killed somebody else. Roselli Cook, 80, a grandmother of six, died in 2020 when she was stabbed in a Walgreens parking lot after purchasing a greeting card. The suspect in her death, Randy Lewis, was shot and killed by police. You guys didn't know this. Randy Lewis had been arrested 67 times and was out on two PR bonds at the time of his murder. How in the world can a gentleman that has 67 prior arrests, why is he even out in the public? No, there's literally, there's no answer. There's literally no answer for that. He's an 80, 80 year old grandmother literally was stabbed to death in a Walgreens parking lot by a gentleman who had been arrested 67 times. Clearly has a mental problem. Like I, he literally has a mental, but he should not have been released from prison. And if you guys didn't know, Houston had the, they had 473 homicides in 2021 that had a 20% increase from the year before. And some people see the criminal justice reform as simply everybody's innocent until proven guilty and therefore no one should be held. So that, if that's the case, then you would have, uh, what was it roughly? I want to, I want to scroll back up because I want to make sure I have this correct. 156 people would still be alive. If we wouldn't have, if the people with a soft mindset wouldn't, wouldn't be, trying to let people out until they're proven guilty. I, I guess I could see it for certain things, but definitely not somebody who's a habitual offender. There's absolutely, like, why would you let anybody out with a capital murder charge, for God's sakes? What are you doing? So we have January 6th is actually coming up, and I keep seeing articles on it over and over and over again. Like, it's just a constant thing. So it goes on to do this sweet sucking little piece here. So we live in a world where Donald Trump's top supporters malign the media for being obsessed with January 6th. It's not the, f- the fact that you guys pretend you're not obsessed with it. It's for the fact we are a year later and every single day since then, other than a handful of times when big things actually happened like Afghanistan, they didn't talk about January 6th. And I, and I would assume during the Afghanistan debacle, they were still talking about January 6th. Like I, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've gone on this website and it's nothing like the entire thing. They're literally hosting an 8 p.m. thing in front of the White House to, to, to talk about their one year, like the one year anniversary. Like no one's going to talk about this thing. And it's just, oh God, it's so goofy. That's all they've been talking about. So I don't know how they can, they can, they can talk about people making fun of them for being obsessed, I guess. Then he goes on to say that, to be clear, a majority of Americans accept that President Biden won the election and affirmed that January 6th right was un-American. Yes. Yes, it was. It was really goofy and really stupid, and that's probably why a lot of people don't talk about it. That's one of the things we're like, yeah, it's, it's pretty dumb. It probably shouldn't have happened. It was really stupid. But a minority largely composed of Republicans deny that the reality makes an excuses for inexcusable and no amount of new information can persuade that minority. 
We have the, you have the same thing on the left. You literally have people that are building shelters because they're so afraid of global warming or that, I mean, they take it to the super, super, super far extreme. Like they, like, let's just, the, both sides have their, their type of person. I mean, this one for some, some, for some odd reason, I mean, I don't know why some people just can't, okay, you Biden one, good, let's move on. There's a lot of other things to do in life than worry about this, but they keep on going. That's, that's what, that's what they do. Folks watching this week's news coverage of the anniversary on ABC or CNN or PBS should remember that folks watching Trump's approved channels aren't seeing the same thing. They're all hardly seeing any riot related coverage on Fox at all. Okay. I get it. Fox, CNN, rival companies, they may have opposing views, whatnot, but they're still rival companies. I love like when, when, when a rival company talks about about Google or really just anything that we own, I always love to stats. When I, when I was, when I was playing sports, I had a coach that always says when the opposing team is talking trash, point at the scoreboard. There's no need to like, whenever I see football players talking trash to each other and the score is 41 to 10, like, well, okay, well you probably shouldn't be look at the scoreboard. You know what I mean? So let's just do this. According to Nielsen data, this is this is this is so goofy. Why why we even bring this up? I just just to prove a point. This is one of the scoreboard things. Fox News delivered an average primetime audience of two point five seven eight million viewers in November. CNN six hundred and fifty four thousand viewers. This should be one of those instances where Fox is like, you know what? You could talk and say whatever you want, but look at the scoreboard. That's not from Fox, by the way. I mean, Nielsen's where you get your ratings for ads and everything. But the other crazy part is, is I, it's kind of hard. I think CNN can't even get out of their own way at times when they say riot-related coverage on Fox. When, in fact, the last year, I think, well, actually, not to say last year, but in 2020, the amount of protests they were talking about that were peacefully protesting, quote-unquote, when, in fact, there were riots literally happening behind the reporters. I don't know why they can't, like, they just can't get this through their head, and they should see it. Over the years, their ratings literally have started to plummet along with their, their note, like, viewership. Imagine, I... Me as a YouTuber, I've been a YouTuber for quite a long time. My Lunkers TV channel was doing phenomenally a couple years back when I was really like pumping out a lot of content. It got kind of burned down, just like everybody else does. Get a little bit burned out. I'm kind of taking a little bit of break. I'll be coming back pretty strong again. I'll be I'll be fine. It's just the ebb and flow of YouTube. Anyway, but what I'm I'm trying to the prove point here is when you're looking at numbers as as a CNN should, six hundred and fifty thousand people watching your prime time stuff. That's not even as much as big YouTubers do by themselves. Like let that one, like if you guys could put it like that, like when all the guys I know were doing really well, like say Andrew Flair and all them, they were doing three, 400,000 views, a video. I have, I have friends that do over a million, a video, like literally over a million views, a video. Whenever they post, they're like, yeah, it's going to get one and a half to 2 million views. That's literally more than CNN's prime time. And this is one person. Anyway, that's what I, it's kind of goofy. Why can't they see what they're doing is incorrect? Like if your numbers are literally drastically falling off planet earth, you probably should re rethink stuff like saying riot related coverage when you're just talking about one thing. When in fact, for an entire year, you talked about like protests that weren't riots. Like it's, I, I don't know. What's even crazier is they're, they're public. Like, I don't know why they don't remove these people. And I just, I don't get it. Terrible leadership. Doesn't really matter. I don't work there. I'm just trying to point out the obvious. But this little piece that they talk about at the very end is really, really telling on how they look at journalists as a whole. Um, this is going to be kind of, I hope, I hope a lot of people stay to the end of this thing because this is, this is the goofy one. I'm, 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 it's so weird to me, mainly because of all the stuff I guess I've been through in my life when it comes to wars and shit like that. I'm just, I look at this, I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, they talk about trauma. 
This isn't the same article. So it goes on to say, we don't talk about enough of the trauma many journalists endure in the large part because we are not supposed to know what it is about. Journalists never want to eclipse the subjects in broader themes at the heart of our stories. But those journalists, like the ones who covered the insurrection, documenting the most direct threat to our democracy since the Civil War, need care and support. I'm thinking to myself, I, I reread this one as well. Are they literally saying that the people that were covering on the ground, that they need more care and support? What, this was the biggest threat since the Civil War to our democracy? Like, these, like are these, do, these, do these people have, like, tremendous amounts of PTSD they're having to deal? I was like, okay, we'll keep reading. Hunter Walker was on the outside of the building covering the attack for Yahoo and Grace Seggers was on the inside reporting for CBS. We're all kind of feeling the same thing right now. This sort of disbelief that already a year has gone by and here we are. There's a, I'm trying. There's a bit of an informal network of reporters who have been through it that day and are still coping with that, who are leaning on each other and talking about it to each other. I'm trying to figure out what do you guys what, what is so what is so crazy that it happened? People were what were they doing? Uh, throwing like a chair through a window? What was the difference between the Capitol thing and all the stuff you guys covered for 2020? The riots that were going on there was literally people throwing and burning stuff on fire in the middle of the streets. But for some reason they had to cope with this one. Why this one? Why why this one of all of them? Hmm. I don't know. Even crazier is you have a lot of journalists that go overseas. I mean, we had some in Iraq that were with me. I never had any in Afghanistan, but those people seem to be doing just fine. I don't know. Really strange. I don't really exactly know what trauma they're having to cope with because it doesn't really say here, but apparently they're having to talk with each other about that day. It must have been crazy. I mean, wasn't there like a dude with a shirt off with his face painted with like a horn things on his head? And I like had the gavel. I, I mean, that was a pretty crazy day. It really was. So I don't want to sound like I'm making fun of them. I'm just trying to trying to clearly ask a question. What are they having? What are they trying to cope with? I mean, myself, I've been through two separate wars and, and a little bit of stuff. And I, and I have a hard time trying to fathom exactly. Ah, anyway. All right. Well, I'm done with this. I will see you guys tomorrow. I hope you guys are excited because we have January 6th coming up, which is going to be a great day for America. There should be a lot of news coverage that day. And I'm pretty excited to not talk about it. So I will see you guys on a, uh, another episode, which should be tomorrow.